This is Causing Friction. This is the podcast where we get a little uncomfortable, a little awkward on our journey of healing through mindfulness and becoming self-aware. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. On this week's episode, I want to discuss a topic that helped me connect a lot of dots from my own past. So while this terminology is fairly new to me, I understand the motive and reasoning and psychology behind all of it. Learning more about trauma bonding really helped explain a lot of my own behavior that before this, I looked back on with an immense amount of shame. I am going to start out by giving a warning that this episode will touch base on domestic violence and abuse. So if this is something that will trigger you, uh, please proceed with caution or save it for a time when you feel prepared or have support. So trauma bonding is when an emotional attachment known as a trauma bond develops out of a repeated cycle of abuse, devaluation, and positive reinforcement. And for anyone who has been in this kind of situation before, you'll know just how incredibly powerful the relationship and dynamic is. It almost feels impossible to make sense of, not just to outsiders, but sometimes even in your own mind. And this is because of the highs and the lows, the roller coaster that the abuser always puts you through. Typically, before your partner reveals their abusive side, they are kind and they treat you fairly nice. They don't immediately yell and cause fights or show that they have much of an explosive or angry side. A lot of abusers are just charming. They win you over because they shower you with affection and assurances of love, happiness, and they promise you the world. The first instance, when they lose their temper, it usually catches you off guard. And it will be all chalked down to, I was just really upset, I was really drunk, or something that plays the situation off to be insignificant and excusable. Usually what follows is very dramatic apology, and they tend to shower you with love and affection, and so much reassurance that they love you, you almost feel naive for questioning it. But... What we don't realize in this exact moment is one of the manipulation tactics that will make us stay over and over again. And sometimes it can make you stay for years. But before I dive further into the longevity of these bonds, I want to preface that trauma bonding is most common in romantic relationships, but it also can be with a family or a parent or caregiver with their children. Or you know how sometimes when you watch movies... A kidnapper and a victim, they fall for each other, is a trauma bond. Or another example is cults. Think of the level of manipulation between a cult leader and their followers and just that entire power dynamic. I know that sounds a little bit extreme, but that's because trauma bonds really are that strong and intense. And since I've experienced one with a previous partner many, many years ago, I am mostly going to speak on the romantic partner dynamic and that experience. So in my situation, I was 19 years old, I was young and dumb, just head over heels. I had no idea I was really in an abusive relationship until I was physically walking myself to a police station to report it. And still while walking to the station, I kept on thinking about how much this was going to hurt the other person. And I just felt ashamed of myself for letting it get this far. And that's how manipulated I was. That's how strong the trauma bond was. I was already thinking of the pain it was going to cause him, not the pain that I had been going through through for months. Part of me truly thought that I was going to marry this person. And when I look back now, he was the first person that I ever loved. Obviously, being 19 years old, you have a totally different perception of love. But even leading up to that 16, 17, I had dated people, thought I was in love, and 
when this relationship came into my life, everything changed. And I can't describe how it made me feel. It was a cross between feeling invincible, like I wasn't even a part of this reality. And as childish or nonsensical as it sounds, my head sometimes didn't feel attached to my body. Kind of like I was floating or watching a dream play out in front of me. I was stuck in a little like love bubble and no one or nothing could burst it. And that bubble really became a safe zone for me. Quickly, this man started to alienate a lot of friends, didn't like where I worked or people that I worked with. And I started to become a lot more isolated and was kept in my bubble. I was sheltered from the mean world, full of people who didn't know me like my partner did. I think looking back now, the part that still kills me a little bit on the inside is I was warned that this person was not so nice. I was warned that he was abusive, that he had a side that was very manipulative and hateful and outright dangerous. And I ignored it. I assumed that she was just a bitter ex who didn't want to see him happy now. But clearly, I look back and I can just label it as denial. I wanted to see the best in someone. It should have been a clear red flag, but we ignore so many of those signs and give people the benefit of the doubt over and over again. And I find that those who have come from any kind of trauma or abusive household, they refuse to believe that they will ever be in an abusive relationship themselves. But we all know that there's proof you attract those kinds of people and abusers because it's your norm. It's your perception of love and it turned into your own definition of it because you had nothing else to base it off of or compare to. You didn't have your own experiences yet. So when this kind of love is all that you know, the only definition that you have until you start to date and fall in love and create your own, you start to go through the own cycle of abuse yourself. So what happens when emotional abuse is inflicted, the brain is actually attempting to protect itself by rerouting abundant levels of stress and pain to avoid overload. So those who have suffered emotional, mental, physical abuse, we don't essentially have a normal pain meter. We end up having a high pain tolerance. And this just means that we have a high tolerance for bullshit as well. We will forgive and forgive and deal with fighting and disagreements and manipulation, all of it. We don't deal with it for nothing though. We deal with it because there's a reward system that the person usually has put into place. Think of all of the highs and lows of these dynamics. In a healthy relationship, you will fight. Maybe say something mean, hurtful, out of line, hurt someone's feelings, you feel terrible, you voice your apology, you learn to not do it again because one, you crossed a line, two, there's better ways of communicating your hurt. But those experiencing a trauma bond, it will start with a fight gone wrong. A line will be crossed, but it's more than just name calling. And it can be something that can shock you in the moment. It could be throwing objects, punching walls, screaming excessively loud just to get a point across. And there will always be an extremely apologetic partner. And they will be horrified with their actions, maybe even act disgusted with themselves and want to punish themselves. And then the next stage is the reward. They will shower you with love and affection and take you on dates and buy you presents to make up for the repulsive behavior. They will try to even the playing field as much as possible. They need to restore balance and try to make you almost forget about what had happened. Or if you can't forget, they want to give you some kind of positive outcome from the situation. 
Usually they also will promise to never do it again and give you some kind of emotional statement on how you are their whole entire life. And now that the cycle has come full circle and it is complete, this is where the trauma bond begins. You now have been through something and overcame something together that no one else will ever understand. It's kind of like you share this secret. And even if you were to tell someone about the fight, which usually the first time you don't because you don't want to damage the reputation, but this is now an emotionally intense experience that you share together and no one else will understand because they just weren't present. So past the first initial fight, past the first initial red flag, the signs of manipulation that you ignored, now this abuser knows how to keep you happy. They know how to control you. They know which positive reinforcement to use after that first fight. They know which ones work, which ones don't. And I just want to say that all of this comes down to we just want to be loved. We want all of those daydreams and promises of the future that our partner is telling us. We want it all to be real so badly. So please don't think for a single second that you're foolish for believing any of these lavish stories that they've told you if you've been in this kind of situation before. Because you're not foolish for believing someone when they tell you that they love you. You're not foolish for seeing the best in somebody. You are not foolish for not wanting to give up and you're not foolish for wanting to believe in love. I know it can feel silly ignoring red flags and looking back on it because it was in front of you the entire time. But we just want to believe that we are worthy and deserving of love and all of those hopes and dreams that our partners promise us. Sometimes we might even trick ourselves into thinking that this is our only chance at love. And to some people, true love means you fight hard. But that is a trauma response. I'm going to get to that in a minute and how it ties into all of this. However, now that the bond has been made, it needs to be solidified. And the way that each trauma bond grows stronger is with each cycle, each high and low that you experience together, each fight, each reward, each positive reinforcement. And what comes with these cycles and rewards is dopamine. Apology gifts, physical affection by the abuser serves as a reward to help reinforce the rush of relief, and trigger a release of dopamine. Since dopamine creates the feelings of pleasure, it can strengthen your connection to your abuser. You want the dopamine boost, so you continue trying to make them happy and earn their affection. And as the fights or abuse intensifies, you will start to notice the imbalance in power, and you'll be trying to cater to them, walking on eggshells around in their presence, try not to trigger any negative emotions, and overall keep them happy. And this is where you'll start to feel powerless. You'll start to notice that your own reactions to their outbursts or unacceptable behavior will start to almost subside or diminish. You could freeze entirely and have no reaction. Or you can make up a thousand excuses for their behavior. Oh, they were just having a bad day. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. He had a really bad day at work. Another part of this is hormones. And they play such a large role in trauma bonds, but I feel like we don't talk about it. Physical affection, intimacy also prompts the release of oxytocin, so the feel-good hormone, and that can further strengthen bonds. Not only does oxytocin promote connection and positive feelings, it also can ease fear. Physical affection from your partner, it might dim stress and emotional pain and make it easier to focus on the positive treatment and reinforcement that they are giving you after the fights or after the blowouts. So now that we understand how hormones can play a role in this bond, and how it's the cyclical pattern of bad behavior, 
or getting hurt immediately followed by dramatic emotional gestures and apologies, we need to understand the kind of people who are finding themselves in these trauma bonds because that is also a key element, an important part into making this entire cycle work. And the key element is having a history of trauma already. What it comes down to is that traumatized people often respond positively to a dangerous person or situation because it makes them feel. People who've experienced trauma are desensitized to danger. So I'm going to read part of an article and leave the link in the show notes now. Um, And it's an article written by The Guest House, and it's a facility that provides treatment for men and women in Florida whose mental and physical health is suffering due to traumatic events. So the article is titled, How Childhood Trauma Changes Brain Chemistry, Mental Health in Adulthood. And what it states is that whatever emotions, reactions, stimuli, or experience a child feels or has on a regular basis becomes their foundation of their brain function for the rest of their life. When trauma occurs during childhood, two issues with brain development arise. First, the growing and strengthening synapses may form in areas of the brain that process negative responses like anxiety, fear, or anger. Second, these traumatic experiences remain unaddressed throughout the rest of brain development. They become cemented in the brain's pathways and can lead to mental health concerns later in life, such as anxiety, panic disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, personality disorders, mood disorders, etc. Transcending beyond the mere mechanics of brain science, trauma impacts more than synapses. Trauma, which occurs in youth as well as at any other stage in life, imprints itself in the nervous system, the body as a whole, the mind as a whole, and the spirit as a whole as well. Becoming a foundation for dysfunction means that trauma radically alters the way adults that children become are able to live their lives. And then it goes into talking about hormones and mental health. Communication across synapses or between the brain and the body happens due to two essential types of chemicals, neurotransmitters and hormones. Your body produces these two substances, neurotransmitters in the brain and hormones by the glands to regulate everything from mood to heart rate. Neurotransmitters, dopamine, I'm going to butcher this one, neuropyphrine? (laughs) and serotonin while hormones like oxytocin cortisol and insulin among others in each category so serotonin for example is connected to mood and sleep patterns oxytocin also called the cuddle hormone because it gives you those warm and fuzzy feelings traumatic experiences suffered in childhood can alter the production of neurotransmitters and hormones Studies also show, for example, that people who experience childhood abuse or neglect can suffer from thwarted neurotransmitter development. And this is very key to remember in trauma bonds. So underdeveloped oxytocin pathways were discovered, which generally affects the ability to feel love, positivity, happiness, and closeness to others. All of these inhibitive changes to neurotransmitter production can lead to mood disorders and ability to regulate stress and overreact sympathetic nervous system. So I know that was a lot, but essentially what this all means to me is that those with trauma have a higher pain tolerance and they need more intensity to feel. They don't see those red flags. And when they do see them, they almost see it as like a flash from their past and they don't connect the two. They just assume that that would never happen to them. They don't make the connection. They don't actually think it could happen to them because they don't want to fall into a statistic or a pattern. And if any part of this resonates with you, it would be a good idea to self-reflect, 
speak with a therapist, and do some work on your past because healing that trauma is extremely important. If you leave it alone, it's just going to come back 10 times harder. And if you aren't ready to look at your current relationship, you can just start with yourself. What is your attachment style right now? Are you secure in the relationship or are you anxious? Ask yourself, do you trust yourself? Are you respecting your own boundaries? Who outside of the relationship loves you? And this is an important exercise. People who are experiencing trauma bonds, you might even doubt that you're loved. Although your partner expresses it excessively, it's hard to believe with their actions and the ups and downs and the cycles that you go through. And intense relationships, intense fighting, it tends to suck the life out of you. It consumes every ounce of your being. And it's all that you can think about and focus on. And you don't really have the capacity to take notice of much else in your life. You can really start to feel lonely and misunderstood by anyone except your partner. But it's important to remind yourself of those that you have around you and those other people that love you. It could be difficult. Once you've felt this kind of intensity, you'll find it hard to connect with people past a superficial level. With friends or family. But more so than anything, with other partners or dating, trying to date anyone else, you could just feel empty. Like something is missing. And these trauma bonds run deep. There becomes this biological craving for intensity that no normal relationship can satisfy for you. And think of all of those chemicals we discussed in the brain. The hormones, the pathways. This is why people tend to go back to their partners, even if that means going back to an unsafe situation. And trauma bonds are cumulative. Every time that you break up and get back together, the bond gets stronger. And your need to feel that intensity, to feel that love and that all-consuming surge of hormones that makes you feel alive, that all gets stronger. Usually the breaking point ends in police involvement or family and friends stepping in because at this point it just can't be hidden anymore. And when your little love bubble is broken and you're faced with reality, outsiders have to come into the relationship and at this point it forces you to see the outsider's perspective, even if it's only for a brief moment. And on average, it takes a victim seven times to leave before they stay away for good. And it's so easy to blame someone for going back. You can point fingers and say that you knew better, that you knew that this would happen. But the truth is, we really, we don't know why people don't leave right away. Or they can't leave. They say that they can't. It could be they are financially tied, bound together It could be race or religious reasons that they can't divorce. It could be that they're completely isolated and they have no one else or nowhere to go to the point of homelessness. Sometimes previously abused victims believe the person's accusations. See, this is what you did. You drive all of your partners to do this to you. And it could be because they still have a sense of hope and believe that this is the love that they deserve. It could be substance abuse, dependency... But on top of all of these reasons, there's also the shame that comes with being in these kinds of abusive situations. There's embarrassment, there's guilt, and it is embarrassing to admit that you've been manipulated, that you believed after every single fight that it would get better. We know now that that is just a positive reinforcement and the love and the affection after every single fight and every cycle. But it's painful and it's embarrassing to list the countless numbers of fights and times that you forgave them. So many times a victim doesn't want to disclose the abuse or they may deny that a problem even exists and just let it be. They kind of just accept that this is their life and their fate and their reality and admitting to all of it is just too much and it feels impossible to leave. So excuses build up. He won't do it again. He didn't mean it. He would never hurt me. He just lost his temper. He promised. 
No matter what it is, I've just come to learn that it's hard to leave. I went back time and time and time again, even after going to the police, even after charges being filed, even after going to court. It only took about a year and a bit later that after going to court, after going to the police, he came back into my life and it was rinse and repeat. The trauma bond just drew me in. He knew me so well. He knew my positive reinforcements. He knew how to manipulate me, what to hold above my head, what dreams to dangle in front of me. Except what happened in my situation was a little bit different. It did secure the bond even further. And the cycle felt never ending for me. The second time around, it was only a couple of months, but it felt like the longest few months of my entire life. I just remember how mad all my friends were, how they didn't want to be around him, and rightfully so. I was so love-struck and in my little trauma bond that I disregarded other people's feelings about the situation. But quickly, I realized this person didn't change. But I felt like I already had gotten myself into such a mess. I didn't know how to leave. Yet again. We just got back together. I fought with people to force them to accept this person into my life again. And then the worst day of my life happened. The day that I needed him the most and he just didn't show up. He made an excuse and just left me to fend for myself. And this is what finally broke my bond. It was something inside of me that just finally woke up and realized he would never be the person that I needed. And this was the proof that I was waiting for. It put me in an extremely depressive state because I started to feel all of the shame. I started to feel all of the guilt for letting this person back into my life so easily and letting him break my heart again and again and again for the millionth time. All of the guilt for putting my friends through what I did, putting myself through what I did, for knowing better because of my own trauma and history, it all came rushing back. But what also happened was some sort of enlightenment. I finally just saw this person for what he was. A very sad, very broken child too, who also has experienced trauma. And while I can say this now with a little bit of empathy, it makes me just wonder what happened to you. What happened to you that you could treat someone that you claim to love with so much disrespect, manipulation, and just nastiness? Cause them so much pain and suffering, and in turn, cause yourself so much pain and suffering, and so much guilt that you're going to carry with yourself for years. And while I can say all of this finally on the other side of it, I know that isn't the same for everyone. If you're stuck in a cycle, if you're stuck in a bond, I feel for you, and I hear you, and I see you. Breaking that trauma bond is more difficult and earth-shattering than people realize. And I don't say that lightly. But I do know it's possible. And that the shame and guilt that you feel is strictly your own and that you can heal from it. And you can carry it for a while, but I promise that it does fade. And that is all that I have for this week's episode. I know it was a heavy one. I hope that you guys are all doing well. I'll see you next time.